0: Well, hello, everyone, and praise the Lord. I want to welcome you to the Living for God podcast. This is where we teach believers basic principles from the Word of God on how we should live for the Lord. And during this session, I want to talk about not suing the brethren. How many of us would agree that we live in a society where everybody is suing everybody? You know, with a staggering 40 million lawsuits filed every year in the United States alone. And even between family members. You know, siblings often sue one another over an estate dispute or what they claim is a stolen inheritance. And these types of lawsuits tears a family apart. See, when family members disagree and that disagreement escalates into a lawsuit, and not only emotionally affects the parties involved, but it also affects the entire family. Because see, what eventually happens is that other family members begin to take sides, which fosters hard feelings and a lack of communication. In other words, they stop speaking to one another and the damage can last a lifetime. See, it is a shameful thing when siblings take one another to court. And and it's also a more shameful thing when children take their own parents to court. Or when parents take their children to court. Or when parents take each other to court. See, it is a shameful thing when family members sue one another. But you know, living in the fallen world, these are the type of things that happen all too often. And the reason why these acts are so disheartening... It's because, see, the family unit is supposed to be full of love and unity. Where there is peace and harmony. Where we are supposed to be caring for one another, encouraging one another, providing for one another, looking out for one another, and praying for, for one another. See, if anybody is supposed to have our backs, it's supposed to be our families. This is why lawsuits between family members seems appalling. Because the goal is against everything that a family unit is supposed to stand for. And guess what, y'all? The same is true for the church. See, there is no other family unit that is supposed to be more stronger than the church. Because, see, we make up the family of God. With God himself being our loving Heavenly Father. And we, every believer, being his dear children. And Jesus Christ, God's only son, being our big brother see there's there is nothing that is supposed to come in between this tight family unit and the love that we share for one another and the unbelieving world is supposed to be drawn to god through the inseparable love that they see us showing to one another this is why the word of god states in john 13 and 35 by this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. See, our love for each other in the church is supposed to be a shining light revealing to the unbelieving world that we belong to a loving God and they shall seek to belong to him too. Therefore, lawsuits between one another in the church has no place because they go against everything we stand for as a loving family unit. See, they don't represent unity, but disunity. They don't represent peace, but disagreement. They don't represent love, but a lack of love, which is not what we're supposed to be displaying to a lost and dying world in order to draw them to Christ. Therefore, in today's text, the Apostle Paul rebukes the Corinthian church for the many lawsuits that was occurring in their midst. That's right, y'all. On top top of all the other problems that was occurring in the Corinthian church, they were suing one another left and right, which made them a poor representation of the love of God. And as a result, they were tainting their witness and ruining their testimony. And in the same way, lawsuits among believers in the church today has the same effect. That is, it also taints our witness and ruins our testimony and makes us a poor representation of the loving love of God to this lost and dying world. How many of us believe that? Those of you who have your Bibles, turn them to 1 Corinthians 6 and 1. And the scripture reads, dare any of you having a matter against another, go to law before the unrighteous and not before the saints. Okay, let's stop there. So the Apostle Paul begins to address this problem of lawsuits among the Corinthian believers by asking them a question in a very direct and forceful way. He states in layman terms, How dare you, you who are saints of God, go before a secular court where there is an unbelieving judge to settle your disputes instead of you settling them among yourselves, that is, before the people of God. Now, how many of us would agree that this is a very valid question? See, it is a valid question for several reasons. Number one, we, the church, are God's people, and we have the Word of God, that is, God's perfect and holy law, which was given to us to govern our lives. Also, we have the Holy Spirit, which is God himself living inside of us, who is our helper to aid us in living this Christian life well. And number three, we have Christian leaders, which consists of God's under-shepherds, who have been called by God to equip the saints by giving us spiritual counsel when when we are faced with life troubles. So considering all of this, why do we, the church, go to a secular court before an unbelieving judge to settle a dispute among each other when we are better equipped to do it ourselves. Think about it. God has equipped us with everything that we need to settle our own disputes. And those are the things that we just listed. But we choose to go to a secular court and stand before someone who, number one, don't have the mind of God, who, number two, don't have the Holy Spirit, And number three, who is not familiar with the word of God to judge our affairs. Why do we do that? See, this is the argument that the Apostle Paul is making in this scripture. Well, the reason why I believe that many believers do is because, y'all ready for this? We don't want to submit to the word of God. Let me explain. See, the word of God tells us to turn the other cheek, meaning don't retaliate when you are done wrong. For Jesus states in Matthew 5, 38 through 41, you have heard that it was said, eye for an eye and two for a tooth. But I tell you, Jesus said, do not resist an evil person. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if someone wants to sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. If someone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. And what Jesus is saying here is, as believers, don't avenge ourselves or seek to get even when you are wrong, but allow God to fight your battles for you. Meaning, simply put, put everything in God's hands, knowing that God will set all things in order. For the Bible states in Romans twelve seventeen through 20, Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depend on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing so, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Which simply means that we will make him feel ashamed and bring him to repentance. But many of us don't want to bring our enemy to repentance. But we want him to pay for what he has done to us. Therefore, we will gladly take a believer to a secular court before an unbelieving judge so that he can get what's coming to him. See, we would much rather take matters into our own hands instead of letting God take care of it. For the Bible states in the very next verse, Romans 12 and 21, do not, over, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Meaning, instead of us wishing harm on those who wrong us, we are to offer forgiveness. Like Jesus did when he was beaten half to death and crucified on a cross. We know that one of his last words were not, Father, repay them for what they have done to me. But it was, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. See, he offered forgiveness instead of vengeance, and we should too. See, he put the matters in his father's hand, and we should follow suit. And the second verse states, Do you not know? that the saints will judge the world? And if the world will be judged by you, are you unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Now to me, y'all, this is one of the most amazing scriptures in the entire Bible. The Apostle Paul in this verse reveals to us that there is coming a day that believers, you and me, will judge the world. This this word judge means the right and the power to govern, to administer affairs, to rule, to hold authority, to supervise, and to oversee. And I believe that this will occur when Jesus comes back to this earth, and we will return with him. And he will rule and reign on this earth for a thousand years, and we will be ruling by his side during his millennial reign. For the Bible states in Revelations 20 and 6, Blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. Over such the second death has no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ. And here it is right here. And shall reign with him a thousand years. And this is the awesome thing, y'all. When you think about it, that Christ will entrust into our hands rulership. Over the entire world. By his side. Listen to what the Bible states in Revelations 2 and 26. It says to him. Who overcomes. And does my will to the end. Referring to believers. I will give authority. Over the nations. Now if you think that is spectacular. Listen to this scripture. It's mentioned in Revelations 3 and 21. To him who overcomes. Referring to believers again. I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. Wow. Can you imagine sitting on thrones alongside Jesus Christ, judging and ruling the world with him? Now, doesn't that make you want to just run harder for the Lord? Doesn't that make you want to do everything that it takes to please God? Doesn't that make you want to not get caught up in petty and the petty affairs of this life, such as lawsuits and disputes with other people and focus on the things that really matter, such as growing in our salvation walk and building treasures in heaven? See, personally, knowing that one day I will actually sit on a throne, alongside jesus christ causes me to want to be more like him and be more forgiven and overlook offenses so that i can rule like him and paul concludes the second verse by saying and if the world will be judged by you are you unworthy to judge the smallest matters so Paul is saying, being that one day we're gonna be actually judging the world, can't we at least in this present age judge trivial matters in the church? See the disputes that we will have in this that we have in this present life, in comparison to the decisions that we will have to make when we join Christ and rule the world during his millennial reign. See, in comparison, these these present matters are trivial. Therefore, Paul is saying, are we not competent? To form a court among among ourselves and handle our own disputes instead of us going to the world? And the answer to that question is a resounding yes. See, as we said earlier, we have the word of God to govern us. We have the Holy Spirit to lead us. And we have Christian leaders to guide us. So why can't we form our own court and handle our own disputes instead of going to the world? And the third verse states, Do you not know that we shall judge angels? How much more things that pertain to this life. And now Paul is really blowing our minds. See, he is actually saying that we will judge angels. Wow. Now this, no doubt, is referring to falling angels. And you know, the Bible states in Judge 6, And the angels who did not keep their proper domain but left their own abode. And he's referring to the angels that rebelled against God. He has reserved an everlasting change under darkness for the judgment of that great day. See, this lets us know that there is coming a day that fallen angels will be judged severely. And it could be that we will be given an opportunity to testify on that day that Satan and his demons are judged by God and our testimony on how the devil brought havoc in our life will add to their judgment. See, we can only speculate on the details, but Paul in this verse makes it clear that we will have a hand in the judgment of fallen angels at the end of the age. Therefore, Paul concludes, shouldn't we be able to resolve ordinary issues that pop up in this life that are surely not as weighty? See, Paul is steady building the case that we should be able to judge our own disputes without going to secular courts. Now, 1 Corinthians 6 and 4 reads, If then you have judgments concerning things pertaining to this life, do you appoint those who are least esteemed by the church to judge? Now, I'm going to read the English Standard Version. It says, So if you have such cases, Why do you lay them before those who have no standing in the church? So Paul is simply saying here, why go to these secular judges who are unbelievers and therefore not respected by the church to judge people in the church? Why go to the secular to judge the spiritual? Paul is saying that don't make no sense. Then Paul continues by saying in the fifth verse, I said this to shame you. Is it possible that there is nobody among you wise enough to judge a dispute between believers? So Paul in this verse is shaming them by questioning their spiritual maturity. Paul is saying, could it be that people are going outside of the church to get their disputes resolved because there is no one in the church wise enough to give sound spiritual advice? See, this had to be a big blow to the Corinthian church because, see, they consider themselves to be spiritually wise. Now, let's read the sixth verse. But instead, one brother goes to law against another, and this is in front of unbelievers. Now, in this verse, Paul is showing how their actions of suing one another in court was causing them to ruin their testimony in the eyes of the unbeliever. In the same way, that having immorality in the church was also ruining their testimony. See, as the church, y'all, we have to realize that the world is watching us. And if they see immorality in our midst, also if they see us fussing and fighting and taking each other to court, that is definitely not going to attract them to Christ. We We know that Jesus states in Matthew 5 and 16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. But if the only thing that we are letting shine is our bad works, then the world is not going to glorify God, but instead they're going to run away from him. See, with these two issues of number one, immorality in the church, and number two, brothers in Christ suing one another, they are bringing a reproach, On the name of Christ and as a result hindering the work of Christ on this earth which is simply winning souls see the unbelieving world doesn't want to join themselves with a group of people who number one can't live right and who and who number two can't get along see they see for as they see enough of that in the world they are looking for something that that reflects unity and purity. And if they can get it from us, God's people, where are they going to get it from? Therefore, it is essential that our conduct in the church display holiness and unity, so that the world can be drawn to the God that we serve. Okay, let's read the 7th verse. Now therefore, it is already an utter failure for you that you go to law against one another. Why do you not rather accept wrong? Why do you not rather let yourselves be cheated? So Paul is saying in this verse, even if you go to court against your brother and win the case, guess what? You still lose. Paul calls it in this verse an utter failure for you. Why is that, y'all? Because of what you lose. Number one, you lose your witness. See, the world only sees you as being hypocritical. Because you said that you should love, that we should love our brother as ourselves. But by our actions, we are displaying the the exact opposite. And number two, we are disgracing the name of Christ by making him look bad, by not living according to his word. See, when we look bad, Christ looks bad. So when believers take believers to court, nobody wins but the devil. Because he obtains his objective, which is tainting our witness and bringing a reproach on the name of Christ. Therefore, Paul concluded by saying, why not rather be wrong? Why not rather be cheated? Now, this may seem like heresy for many of us. Because, see, we can't see ourselves being wrong without retaliation. We can't see ourselves being cheated without getting even. And that's because of our worldly mindset. As we said in the beginning of this message, we are living in a time and hour where everybody is suing everybody. In other words, if you wrong me, then i sue you. If you cheat me, then i sue you. And that mindset has crept into the church. But we have to remember the words of Jesus concerning retaliation that we stated earlier. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other also. If you are sued in court and your shirt is taken from you, give your coat too. If a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it two miles. In other words, Jesus is saying so clearly, as believers, don't seek retaliation. In other words, if there is any vengeance in order, let God take care of it. This is why God states, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, Paul is saying in today's text, it is best to simply accept the wrong and let yourself be cheated rather than retaliating and taking your witness and bring a reproach on the name of Christ. And somebody may say, I can't do that. I can't allow someone to get over on me and just get off scot-free. But we have to realize that no one gets away with anything. God is a God of justice, and he will make sure that everyone will receive recompense for the wrong that they do. But the problem is that we are the ones who want to do the punishing, because we want to see them suffer. But that's not God's way. For the Bible states in Proverbs 24 and 17, Do not rejoice when your enemy falls. And do not let your heart be glad when he stumbles, lest the Lord see it and it displeases him. And he turned away his wrath from him. So in my closing, I just want to add that everything that we do as believers should be God honoring. That is, we should always be thinking about, is my actions going to tame my witness or bring a reproach on the name of Christ? And when, um, Believers disagree to the point of taking one another to court and suing one another. That makes the body of Christ look bad. Simply because we should be able to handle our disputes within. Without going to the unbelieving world to get them resolved. Therefore our witness is tainted. and the name of Christ reproached. Therefore like Paul said. It is best simply to be wrong or be cheated. And let God take care of the matter, knowing that He will bring justice in the end. And if we do this, we will have the satisfaction of knowing that the matter will truly get resolved because we know that God will take care of it. And we will also have the satisfaction of knowing that we went about it God's way. Therefore, God will be glorified in our actions. And lastly, We will have the satisfaction of knowing that our actions will not give the world another reason to mock the church and the God that we serve. Therefore, do not sue the brethren. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. You can find us on Facebook at Heart of God Christian Ministries, or you can visit our website at heartofgodchristianministries.co. Thank you for listening.